right now at Kohl's. Take an extra 25% off top active brands, including Under Armour for her. Get Nike shoes for the family, $48.75 and under, and save on Levi's denim for the family. Plus, get limited contact store drive up and get even more for your wallet with Kohl's Cash. Shop Kohl's and Kohl's.com. 25% off Under Armour ends August 9th. Nike ends August 8th. Levi's sale ends August 30th. Offers and coupons do not apply. Select styles. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. And welcome to the latest Keep the Life series by Talk Say Extra Life. And this time we are showcasing a rather interesting conversation we had with Dr. Tim Errington, founder and CEO of Total Health Chiropractic and Total Health Corporate Wellness Solutions. Dr. Tim offers one of the most reputed services in chiropractic in Singapore and has also authored a book, Posture Matters. An erstwhile civil engineer, Dr. Tim began a new phase of his life at 40 years when he went back to school to learn chiropractic, a science which found him not only at an unusual time, but also at a rather unusual place, his old office in England. What began then was a transformative journey which changed not only his beliefs, mindset, but also his entire life where he went on from being a rather reckless toughy who used to play rugby and was constantly subjecting his body to blows and balls to adopting a restorative, preserving, healing mindset, amazed at the power and ammunition the body has to heal itself. Listen to this conversation in which the spinal engineer, as he calls himself, explains how chiropractic it's much, much more than just the treatment of back or neck pain. Tim shares how being balanced in gravity, in alignment with gravity, determines the strength of our bones, muscles and joints and how imperative having a good posture is in order to accomplish anything since gravity can either make you strong or destroy you. Let that be a note of warning, guys. Dr. Tim has a rather diverse range of interests as well and he practices yoga and meditation. He swims almost every day and also loves to ski and skydive. Life is indeed a balancing act and it all begins with a healthy spine. And here we go. Dr. Tim Ellington, hi. Now, um, they say that childhood is the best place to begin with, you know, if you've got to understand someone. So if you could travel back in time for a bit, would you briefly take us to your childhood? I think my childhood was fairly unique. I was conceived in Africa. My parents were working in Africa. And they used my birth as an excuse for a holiday in England. So I was actually born in England. Mm -hmm. um, and then they took me straight out to Africa. So my father was in agriculture and he worked for the English government, but he was on secondment to the Rhodesian government in, in, in those, that's southern Rhodesia, Zimbabwe. His job was making the Rhodesia fertile. Mm -hmm. And he had this wonderful life out in, in Africa, mm -hmm. building dams and irrigation ditches. Mm -hmm. And they didn't give him any money, but they gave him loads of, load of manpower mm -hmm. to, to help him. 
with his projects. He had a wonderful time. I'm not sure my mother did <laughs> so much. Um, I think she was living his dream. And uh, I remember the stories, some, a few stories that happened out there. I know I personally was, was bitten by a snake and needed life-saving treatment. I know my mother was chased through the bush by a rogue elephant on one day. Okay. And so when we, when we relocated back to Europe because of political troubles, which were, were rife in the area, okay. when we came back to England, we settled for a brief time in, in Lancashire, where my father got, got, got his first posting in, in England. And then eventually we moved back to our blood home, which is the northeast of England, Newcastle. So I spent most of my life, my childhood brought up in, in Newcastle. I have many, many amazing memories of, of, of long holidays where we used to go down to Norfolk mm. and we were camping and very fond memories learning how to sail mm. and just very natural, very carefree and everything. Uh, and then that all changed. Um, when I was 10 years old, uh, my mother died and then I was brought up by my father, this magnificent man with his very, very strong philosophy of life keep it simple work with nature i think that what happened to me as a youngster it was very hard but it, it makes you stronger and it makes you think later on there are questions that need to be answered you know why what happened you know? my mother died of barbiturates poisoning so that in so that's how marilyn monroe died um barbiturates was a very very uh it's a drug that was widely prescribed in those years and they gave it to people who, who had anxiety and what have you. So I believe my mother had some anxiety. Uh, I know my father was working away, coming back at weekends. I know my mother had back pain. And I, I know, also know that she was worried about other aspects of her health. She was a medic. She knew all about drugs. So even though barbiturates, there's a very fine line between a dangerous dose and a safe dose. And when she crossed the line and, and she died, then... The, the the report said that she took her life at a time when her her mind was out of balance. So these have all these these things have all stayed with me and definitely helped me focus and work harder to save people from the effects of, of drugs. It's made me stronger. I was brought up by this by this amazing man. He worked really hard and he was calm and he was intelligent. Thankfully, he gave me a scientific mind. He really taught me how to question things, to take an interest in things. I remember he always used to say, Timothy, find something that needs doing and do it. Make yourself useful. Wherever we were, when we went camping, get ready, make yourself useful. You know, go and do this, go and do that, whatever. And I just had this thing, it's, sort of, it's, it's part of my philosophy of life, make yourself useful. <laughs> when you were a student, how did you take up to a civil engineer? So when I left school, I didn't really know what to do. I, and I went into the family business. After a while, I realized that working in a shop wasn't my life. I needed, I, I needed a man's life. I joined the fire department. I had two years in the fire department. This taught me a lot about life. Um, it taught me how to be a man. It taught me how the body works. It taught me how to, how to react in stressful situations. It taught me a lot. After doing that for a couple of years, I realized that I probably had a bigger calling. And I wanted to travel. I couldn't travel in the fire department. So uh, I realized that if I got involved in engineering, I could go all over the world. To make the transition, that was a very, quite an easy, it was quite easy for me. I got into a, a good college, good university, and I got myself headhunted straight from college, straight back to Africa. I didn't even go to my graduation. I went to Africa. All I remember during my, my childhood was all these amazing stories of my father's life in Africa. And when he spoke about it, he had that spark in his eye. There was something special. 
and I had to feel it. So I, the first thing I did, I went straight out of Africa and I worked for a company building power stations in the Transvaal. Right. So engineering became my thing and I became fascinated by using engineering principles. You can make things last a long time. You can make them strong and you could create almost anything. After a while, I took my expertise back to England where um, I didn't have these ethical problems that were driving me crazy. How did this progression then come to be in terms of you having discovered chiropractic and uh, you know, you're among the most established chiropractors in Singapore. Uh, you work across three continents and you uh, call yourself the final engineer of thoughts now. So how did that happen? The trigger was I, I found myself back in Newcastle. By that time, I had a, my own development company. I had many, many houses. Uh, I had projects and things. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the spark had gone. The luster of, of engineering wasn't there anymore. I was looking for something that was more fulfilling, mm-hmm. that gave me more meaning and purpose. I was very lucky. I was in a situation where I was successful enough I, I could take some time off and I literally had every single profession on the planet as a as a possibility I looked at everything and then during this time I bought a building my company bought a building that happened to have a chiropractic practice in it and I met these two young doctors I could not believe what what was happening in in their practice I actually converted the upper floors into a, into an apartment where I where I live so I lived above this business and I couldn't believe what was happening I couldn't believe the effect they were having on people's lives, and I wanted to know more. So they introduced me over glasses of red wine in Newcastle many, many years ago uh, into the philosophy of chiropractic. One fine day in Newcastle many years ago, there was an eclipse of the sun. So we wanted to watch the eclipse, so we watched them through x-rays. I said to these doctors, can you explain these to me? I'm fascinated. Because all I saw was a column, spinal column. So they showed me. And, they, and I said, well, what's all this white? White is bone, black is, is air. So some bits are whiter than others. What's happening there? Oh, well, that's, that, that's where the body is making the bones stronger. And I said, oh, I can see that. Because of the shape of the spine, there's more compressive force. That means the body's sending more bone there to support that force. And these two doctors, they looked at themselves and they oh, my God, you'd be an, an amazing chiropractor. And I thought about it more and more. And... It's all about engineering. The state of your spinal column is going to be what determines how your life goes. And I knew that at a very early time. And when I realized that I could apply my, um, all my education in engineering, and if I, le- if I learned chiropractic and physiology, I could put, put that together and have something quite unique. And I thought I could do something special. So actually, as a, as a young engineer, I started going to chiropractic conferences. I ended up being off at places so I very, very quickly got very interested. I started reading an awful lot. And then I, and then I said, right, that's it. I announced to everybody I was going to be a chiropractor. Uh, most people thought I was mad. I started on, so I immediately went back to school and I spent a year doing, doing another two A-levels in England. And then I announced to everybody I was moving to San Francisco. My dad said, you're crazy, but, but I support you. He said, in fact, he said, I applaud you and, and support you, but I still think you're crazy. <laughs> I remember he said, what a shame you didn't make this decision 10 years ago. <laughs> so I got this, I got this, all this amazing information from amazing healers. And I just wanted to be so good at it. You know, I, in my early days when I was a little bit crazy, I played rugby at quite a high level. I destroyed myself. 
And when I finished rugby at the age of 38, everything hurt. I had, and what, what finished my game was, was, uh, was that I still remember the tackle, somebody hit me and my leg just, my knee exploded. I, was, I, was in, I knew I was in trouble. That was at the time I moved to America. Now I remember rehabilitating my knee, cycling up and down the hills of San Francisco. And then I learned chiropractic and I learned how only the power that made the body could heal the body. And it made perfect sense. So when I, I really concentrated, the one thing I was determined to heal was my knee, because that's how I got through. That's how I, that's how I moved. And it was important for me. It was about 10 years later, one fine day, I suddenly realized I've had no pain in my knee today. It had finally healed. You can watch it heal. No doctor ever healed anyone. I know that sounds crazy being a doctor. The doctors could only help the natural healing power of life. You spoke of decisions when you decided to pursue chiropractic. Did you feel it in the bones that you're ready for it? I do know that many people die with regrets. And very rarely do people regret what they've done, but they do regret not doing things. And I was not going to die with this enormous regret. I had to do this. Once I learned what it was, it fascinated me to such a level that I had to pursue it. So you had a plan B? I didn't have a plan B. I put everything into it. By the time I finished, I had such a massive, massive overdraft. I had to sell nearly all my properties to pay back the bank. So I put everything in. You know, I had a little bit of a plan B, but, you know, I really, I really, I, I spent everything re-educating myself. So how do you deal with the skepticism? I mean, chiropractic is not really, it's opposed, the principles are opposed to mainstream science. And I, mean, I just read a little bit about it. So uh, it says that it was founded by Dr. D.D. Uh, uh, Palmer, mm. sorry. And uh, he called it the science of healing without drugs. And that he received it from the other world. So there were even connotations of, I think, religious. It's, it had a fair, a fair amount of controversy, I think, in the U.S. So how has that journey been? When I first started, friends said to me, so why are you going to be a chiropractor? I mean, what do they even do? The people who are skeptical of chiropractic have never either never experienced it or they, are, they haven't learned about it. Sometimes... We are up against medicine. This is one of the, the richest industries on this planet. Now, you don't have to go very deep to realize that healing has to be done by the body. You talk about science. You know, page one of the medical Bible, Gray's Anatomy, says that the body is controlled 100% by the nervous system. Chiropractors, that is what we do. We help the nervous system work to its maximum so that we can live to our potential. Every single pain in the body is the body telling us something's wrong, right. okay? We do not treat the pain, right? What we do is we look for the reason for the pain being there, and then we will look to make corrections to the body to enable that pain to go for the right reasons. Right. If I touch something hot, pain will tell me, remo remove my hand mm -hmm. from the flame, all right, okay? Listen, learn to listen to how your body communicates to you. This is very, very entrenched in, a, in our philosophy. It's based on common sense. And remember where I came from. I, you know, very early on, I lost a mother to a drug overdose. Right. Right? So I have questioned that my entire life. And if I can help people without drugs, this will put me on occasion with doctors that prescribe drugs too easily. They talk about the science of chiropractic. We work with science. 
I, I am an engineer, a spinal engineer. I'm a, I'm a gravitational physiologist. We live in gravity. And if you live straight in gravity, if you're balanced in gravity and, and you are in alignment with, with gravity, then you're going to have strong bones, strong, strong joints, strong muscles. If you have good posture, you're going to live a much better life than if you have bad posture because gravity either makes you strong or it destroys you. So when we bring people back into to balance, gravitationally speaking, it's amazing what healings happen. The doctor that is best cope for a wellness lifestyle is a well-trained chiropractor for one of the best schools in the world. That's because health comes when the pillars of health are in place. So what are they? Nutrition, exercise, minimizing stress, quality sleep, positive mental attitude, and a nervous system that is clear of interference. If you get all those pillars in place and you nurture those, then that is healthcare. So what would be the most, uh, two things, one case which is so challenging, the most, that has been the most challenging in your life, in your career so far, as a chiropractor, and second, uh, which, I don't know, would be the same or otherwise, but the one case that really made you believe in the power of, that what you believe, that you actually witnessed it. What a great question. So when I came out of chiropractic school, I was well-trained. I'd had experience, I'd been well supervised, but I almost had to unlearn some things because what I needed was experience. And you're taught by teachers who haven't been in the field for a while, so there's a lot of theory going on. You needed practice. You need this practical application over time so you internalize it and you, get, you gain this intuition. So I, I started this part of my career, I was working just outside New York in New Jersey. Quite amazingly, this doctor, this amazing doctor that I worked for, he was working very, very closely with the MS Society in, in New York. So we had this situation where people might, might be in a wheelchair or they're stooped really badly. And then we would come along and we would improve the function, improve their structure, and they would suddenly be much, much, much better, even to the extent where we got people out of wheelchairs and they were walking again. This made me really think... We weren't curing multiple sclerosis, but we were helping these people be as good as they could be. They still had MS, but they, we'd cleared out a lot of pressure, nerve interference, tension. You know, if you have bad posture, there's nerves being pulled, twisted, pinched, stretched. Nerves don't work very well. If we, put them, if we get them back into alignment, it takes the pressure off the nerves, and they do work better. So we help people operate better because by taking pressure off their nerves, their body was able to control itself better. Right. One particular case was this one lady who was just about in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. Most of the time she was in a wheelchair, sometimes on good days she was out. One day we got a postcard from California. She'd actually managed to travel across the country mm -hmm. to see her son who was at college. She was standing on top of a cliff going like this mm -hmm. and I couldn't believe it was the same person. That's when I, that was that. She really opened my eyes. What are some of the myths that you would like to bust in terms of chiropractic? There's so many, there are so many things that it just deals with the lower back pain. And so how are there some kind Well, so, okay, you just mentioned one. Yeah. So let's, let's nail that one right now. Mm -hmm. So a myth that, that chiropractic is, for, is just for back pain. Yeah. It is. <laughs> and it's not. You know, people come to us with back pain. That's the most common reason people come to us. Back pain. 
neck pain. We don't treat the back pain. We look for dysfunction. You know, I, when people come to us, I want to know why the back pain is there. Why is it happening? Is it deconditioning due to too much sitting? Is it due to bad alignment? Do you have degeneration in the discs? And if you do, why have you got degeneration in the discs? Do you have one but one leg longer than the other? So you've got, do you have muscle imbalances? You know, what is the cause? I've worked out that if somebody has really bad alignment, it's going to destroy their lives later. So let's find out. So if anybody comes to me with really bad alignment, which could be scoliosis, it could be one leg, long leg, one uh, long leg, short leg. Um, it might be a reverse curve in the neck. Anything like that causes terrible degenerative problems and therefore loss of health later on. So that's one reason I'm going to do an x-ray. If somebody comes to me and there is nerve pressure, so there is numbness or tingling in the body, we know that nerves are, are being affected. I'm going to do an x-ray. Uh, and then the, the, the third one, if, if during my examination, if I, if I become aware that there is a degenerative condition, mm -hmm. so you see these joints here, you see, as you go to, towards the right there, mm -hmm. you see them progressively degenerating. Yeah. That's a natural, natural process of aging that happens mm -hmm. to joints that are out of alignment. So if I discover that, I'm going to take an x-ray. Mm -hmm. And then when we get the x-ray and we put our gravity lines on it and we, we look for the reasons why, why the problems are there, nine times out of ten, we're going to see the cause of the problem. Mm -hmm. And then that gives us a route. This gives us a direction. Uh, and if we can work out a good care plan, something that makes sense. And then we can start to work that person right. back towards balance. Mm -hmm. Also in terms of your, the study, the entire or the practice, What's the process and how many years? It should be like studying mainstream medicine. Yeah, so basically the first, the beginning of chiropractic school is just like medicine. We do, we do all the ologies. So we do pathology, we do histology, we do embryology, we do every single ology you can possibly imagine. And we do it to the same degree as medical doctors. Mm -hmm. Now, when they specialize in um, pharmaceuticals, so they are studying drugs, we are studying toxicology. So we're, we're looking at reasons why drugs might be harmful. We're looking at interactions where medical doctors are studying their roots, their focus. We're very much studying healing and what, how is the body going to heal? So we're looking at how can we stimulate the immune system? How can we get back to balance? So we're looking at homeostatic balance in many ways. So there is a different focus. And then we start to learn about joints, we get to get trained in, in what we do. Which we, so you know, we, we help people get better through spinal manipulation. We do traction, mm -hmm. exercise physiology, storing all balance in all the pillars of health. Medical doctors and chiropractors are both amazing, right. but they need to work together. Yeah. And my door is always open. So yeah. you say that uh, it has been uh, the, the curve of it. Now it's kind of stabilizing even in the U.S. globally in terms of Singapore. Yeah, so, 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 so there's, the, there's a much bigger focus on wellness now, which is wonderful. So every chiropractor wants to be involved in wellness. Mm -hmm. And when we help people feel better, heal from, the, from their problems, mm -hmm. we help their bodies heal. We right. do not heal them. Then we will give them a strategy to a long, vital, healthy life. Mm -hmm. So what chiropractic does is it provides, it's, it, it is simplifies and it's created a strategy for a wellness lifestyle. So I'm now working with multinational companies. I'm working with big companies. We have clinics in the most expensive city in the world, very expensive. 
we have huge overheads, so there is a, you know, there's quite a cost to come and see us, a perceived cost. Um, the more that we can take it to people, the more people we can help, the greater good we can do. So, you know, gradually, last year we worked with a multinational company. We went, we actually took what we do in, into that company. What an amazing success it was. We were literally, I mean, we had a six-month work. So we now know that when we take it to the people, it's going to fly. So that's what we're doing. We now, we go into banks, we go into multinational companies and they give us a room and we have a pop-up clinic and we, we, we actually see clients under their own roof. This makes it convenient, it makes it cost-effective and, and it just works so well. So how do you learn more about it? Is it embedded in your, whatever your learnings are, do you take it along with you? So is, is it like evolving individually, a facet of whatever you're learning again and apply it to the science or is it, it's, it's, it's not very so rigid? Sometimes there are certain aspects of what we do that we don't fully understand. I don't think there is another medical profession or a health profession that has so much positive placebo as the chiropractors, okay? Which means people seem to get better from all kinds of weird things just by manipulating the spine. They're inside your spine is the central nervous system. We are learning all the time. There is now brilliant, brilliant doctors out there. The more they learn about energy healing, the more they learn about genetics, the more they learn about all aspects of life, quantum mechanics. Every time the knowledge of mankind goes to the next level, mm-hmm. it seems to prove what we do. Right. I'm constantly reading, I'm fascinated at the moment by the, the quantum field. If you break anything down, you go smaller, 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 you go subatomic, eventually you end up with nothing, mm-hmm. just energy. So, you know, we have to think in terms of energy. We've got it, we cannot just think in terms of Newtonian physics. Right. Do you read anything beyond work? Every now and again, but but there's always something that comes up. I've got a whole (laughs) bunch of books at home that I'm I'm yet to come to. There's nice story books. I've got another pile of books that I've got to read, which is I'm fascinated by by a certain thing. I just read a book called Abundance. And what this book is about, so there are various visionaries out there. This book, Abundance, which was by a guy called uh, Diamandis, who was a visionary futurist. He's, all, he's gradually, he's a friend of Elon Musk and all sorts of, doing all sorts of things. But this book actually amazed me and I loved it. And what, me, what made, it made me realize is that when you read the newspapers and when you think, you think there's a lot of negativity out there, but there's by far more positivity than there is negativity. It's just that the negativity makes so much noise right? So much trouble, so much, there's so much trouble in the world, it makes so much noise. But for every problem, there's a million people working to fix it. If you look at the main, the main problems of this planet, if you look at the problems of food and water and pollution and things like that, then literally you've got millions of people that are getting very, very close to creating breakthroughs. You know, soon we're, we're, we're going to be drinking seawater, easily. Soon power is going to be free, right? They're getting close to providing us free energy. They're getting close to giving us, we'll be able to irrigate the Sahara and feed the planet. You know, it's getting close. And so there's so much good that's going on. That's where I kind of, my eventual focus is going to be when I have more time, I'm going to be looking more at ecological. I'm going to transfer my focus a little bit from homeostasis within to homeostasis on, on more of a macro scale. Yeah. 
You know, we need to get back in control of homeostatic control of this planet. You authored a book as well, Posture Matter. Mm-hmm. And of course, it, it couldn't be titled any better. But how much does it matter? How much does your health matter? How much does your future matter? You have never seen anybody with bad posture retain their health. Okay. Period. Anybody that wants to be the best at what they do has to have good posture. You never saw anybody in the Olympics with bad posture. Maybe somebody throwing darts or play, playing snooker or something, if that's an Olympic sport. It doesn't happen. If you want to be as good as you can be, you have to have good alignment. And posture is alignment. So if you think about it, you live your life through your nervous system. Your nervous system is in your spine. The quality of your life is going to be determined by your spine. And that is determined by your posture. Something or the other, is it? You, you dedicatedly keep a time on So, um, I use technology. So, at any one time, I have my iPhone, I have my iPad, I've got my laptop, always with me. As I have thoughts, I put information into folders. So, I, at any one time, I've probably got about 30 or 40 folders that are open. And if I read something anywhere that is interesting, I will just make it a note and I'll put it in a folder. Anything to do with the body, anything to do with science that interests me, physiology, life, anything about public speaking, because that's kind of where I'm going. Anything about the, the main areas, bringing up a healthy family, how to help aging people, saving the planet. I mean, I've got so many folders that I'm just like, oh, that's interesting. Put it in a folder. <laughs> One day I'm writing a blog or I'm a chapter for a book or, or something. I've got a lot of information. I'm writing all the time. So writing a book would have been very different, right? So uh, Writing a book was very different. It was longer. There is nothing in the book that I hadn't written before. So I had to pull it in from all different sources and then make it, put it in order. I had to make sure it wasn't rambling and going off in tangents and what have you. So I tried to make it sensible, but I wanted it to be quite an easy read. I wanted it to be so that we could give it to a client. I wanted to do the most good. So it couldn't be too technical. It had to be something that would get somebody's interest and then retain that interest just for long enough to get through it. So I wanted, so you could read, read that book in three, four hours, right? It wouldn't be a three-week process. You do a lot of public speaking also, right? Mm. In terms of, that's something that also takes up your time nowadays. Yeah, it's a passion. Um, I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get good at it, actually. I, you might realize that I, I have a lot of passion right. and purpose, but I tend to go off in... <laughs> I tend to go off... You've been very good at bringing me back on track. So, you know, with my speaking, I get kind of, you know, I get a bit all over the place sometimes. And so I'm trying to systemize it a little bit and train myself. You said about being at peace and meditation is one of the things also that uh, you've been doing. Yeah, I'm, I meditate every day. You know, when you talk about meditation and philosophy and things like that, it's like, oh, my God, it makes you think like you're some kind of guru from, you know, up in the Himalayas wearing robes or something, you know, you know, chanting, you know, um, and all that. But actually, not at all. And the more I learn about it, the more I learn about the brain and the relationship of the three brains. You know, you've got the frontal lobe, which is the thinking mind. And then you've got the, there's the subconscious and you've got the limbic, which is the emotional when how they all work together. When the more you learn about that, the more realize that you've actually got to work with it. And, don't, and you, you have to 
help it and nurture it because there's so much stuff in that subconscious which is both good and bad and you can actually retrain you can rewire your subconscious but to do that you've got to get into the present if you're constantly thinking about stressful thoughts about the future or stressful thoughts about the past you are actually reinforcing circuits in your subconscious brain that is making you less present and more in a state of anxiety and stress so the only way for me and i think the only way for anybody to to get away from that is to become present and the best way to get present is um is by meditation it's something that I, I now do every day. Now, what I'm getting is what, what is happening to me is that I'm now finding spaces between all the chatter, okay. the chatter in there. So you constantly have these thoughts coming, you know, what is this? Must do this tomorrow, must do this. Oh, I've got deadlines, I've got, oh, I've got these problems. Blah, blah, blah. These constantly come uh, flash across your mind. Okay. Now, due to my meditative process, mm. I'm now getting bigger spaces between these thoughts. So I'm now starting to get a little bit more control about what's going on in there. Right. Now that is very self-gratifying mm. because I now realize I'm getting somewhere. And um, so I'm now I'm actually enabling myself to become more present. So how do you chance upon the meditation? I'm always very, very aware. I follow a lot of the brightest brains in, in medicine, in healing, in science. I'm very aware of what's going on out there. So there is this doctor who is a colleague of mine. I've, I've met him many times from, from America. He's called Dr. Joe Dispenza. He's a chiropractor. And he had an experience when he was younger, when he, um, he destroyed his spine in, in a cycling accident. And he broke seven vertebrae, and they wanted to put a, a bar down his fuse his entire spine. So as a chiropractor, that's like a whoa, no. So he actually very quickly realized that, okay, my God, I'm a chiropractor. Let's see whether this only the power that made the body can heal the body. Let's see if it really works. Because he was scared, lying horizontal in hospital, pretty much paralyzed. And he healed himself in about 12 weeks. Nobody could believe what he, he managed to do, it, but he did it by harnessing the power of his brain. And so he started investigating and, and he started to look at this more and more and more. And I've been following his, his career ever since. And so he basically he works with meditation. He first he educates people how the brain works. And then he help, then he educates people how you get into the subconscious to rewire it. I mentioned to you before that the body does most of its healing in deep sleep you get most of your synaptic connections in your brain in deep sleep. That's because that's when your, your, your brain waves slow down and you, you start creating delta waves. When the delta waves come, you start emitting growth hormones, right? So this also happens in meditation. So if you want to really harness the power of the body into healing and rebuilding and everything, you've got to get into delta wave. This happens in meditation. It's a challenging place to get to because of this chatter, chatter, chatter that constantly goes on. But it's worth sticking at it. Anybody can do it. How long does it take, you think? How long do you need to set aside for meditation? I guess I started off 10 minutes. I thought, how was, how was I going to do it? So I, you know, I read a few articles, a few podcasts, little, 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 and I thought, right, I'm going to use an app. So there's some good apps out there. So I, I followed an app a few times. Since then, I've been on, I've been on YouTube. I found some some uh, some great short videos. I've got a five-minute one, a ten-minute one, a fifteen-minute one. I've got a half-hour one. 
I never have time to do a, a, a one-hour or a two-hour, but I would love to do that because I have no idea what I'd be able to achieve. Now, would you also say meditation has sharpened your intuitive abilities? The more that you work with people and open your heart to possibilities, the more intuition that you gradually develop. So, so now I have a client that I'm working with. I connect by talking emotionally. I, n- I now am able to be totally present. I can shut off of the outside world. I, I can do that better now than ever. Once they feel the connection, they, they open up, and that's when, that's when you can get in there and help them heal. Now, I actually can feel energy, which I couldn't feel before. I can hover my hand over someone's spine, and I can feel some energy that draws my attention. Mm-hmm. And usually there is a problem there. You feel it, though. You know, remember, we are energy. We are energy, just energy. And energy is changing from wave, wave, wave to particle all the time. And so when we feel energy, there is something happening. You said you do yoga. Um, and it's not very, uh, I think, unlikely uh, for people. And back in India, if you do yoga, you also do meditation. <laughs> you know, uh, if you look at the, it's like a total package deal. Yeah, it is. Well, it's becoming a total package deal for me as well. <laughs> it totally is. So why do I do yoga? Well, I first did yoga in California. You know, that's very big there. We had these yogis that used to come to our school, and they were amazing. And uh, I did a little bit there. Vanessa and I, we used to, we used to do Pilates, and, which was kind of moving yoga, it's a, bit, it's a bit different. People ask me which is better, yoga or Pilates, and I say, actually, I'm not going to tell you. What I will tell you is find an instructor that inspires you to keep going back so you can build some, It'll get some momentum going. So yoga for me has actually, become, has actually became very, very important because I realize um, I have to look after myself. And then when I really analyze the pillars of health and I try and systemize it, so that we can help the most people by creating a system to follow. So for each of my pillars of health, I have a system. So my system for, for exercise, for the lay person, means that you have to have some aerobic time. And even if it's just brisk walking a few times a week, you can get enough aerobic time. Strengthening, you need to strengthen yourself twice a week. I, can, I get my strengthening from yoga and from, some from swimming. Life is a stiffening experience. As you age, you stiffen. So you have to balance that with stretching. You have to. And so for every couple of hours you spend at a desk sitting with all your ligaments and your muscles shortening, you have to learn how to to stretch. So you need daily stretching routines. Uh, So yoga gives me strengthening and stretching. So that only leaves me my aerobic. So I do yoga a couple of times a week. That pretty much just about gives me enough. Uh, but I, I also swim a lot, which gives me the aerobic and stretching and strength and full package. I'm, I've spent my life trying to preserve my body now because I want it to last a long time. The first half of my life, it, 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 it was like I was trying to dis- destroy myself. Right. I was constantly falling off mountains and falling off motorbikes. And I was always, I was always you know, hitting people on the rugby field and breaking bones and spent so many times with broken noses and God knows what. Um, so that was up the first 40 years. <laughs> the second 40 years is all about trying to, trying to get back into longevity and vitality. Healing. And, yeah, healing and everything. So I actually, I've used myself as, a, uh, as, a, as my raw material for my experiments. I've all kinds of experiments. I am, I am. I read something. I think that's a good idea. I'm, I'm now doing a, uh, at the moment, I'm going through a little challenge myself. I do 100 squats every day. A squat, you know. Um, but 
so you do 100 and you think, huh, I didn't do much. But if you do it every single day, you, th- you start feeling changes. And you realize your, your metabolism is increasing. And you realize that you're starting to get some strength back. And, you know, so I do little experiments and uh, yeah, constantly. Uh, have you tried uh, um, even infusing yoga? There's some posture, I mean, there's some postures which also benefit the back and, of course, the other, the entire physiology of the body. So would you also, um, have you perhaps uh, gone on to recommend it to your patients, I mean, people? Uh, Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, because I say stretch. Find a way of stretching. You know, I don't care what it is. You know, so try yoga. And, you know, so what, what yoga positions are best for the spine? Because I understand physiology, it's easy for me. So the joints of the spine have six ranges of motion. Flexion, extension, side flexion, and rotation, two directions. So that's six ranges of motion. So exercises or asanas in, in yoga that take you through these ranges of motion. Then, of course, postures that elongate the spine. So you can imagine you know, anything that elongates the spine is good. And then ones that create core strength. So there you've got my answer. Six directions for the joints, elongation, and core strength. Do you have a yoga instructor uh, who you through it? So I've had a few yoga instructors. I'm always looking for someone who inspires me. I have a lady at the moment. She's actually from Colombia. And I, I do my yoga sessions up at the British Club in, in Singapore. Mm-hmm. And they have this wonderful gym and wonderful have yoga That's studios great. and what have you. Okay. And it's right up there in, in the rainforest. Wow. And it, it's wonderful. So she's quite, I call hardcore, so she really puts me through it. And uh, I appreciate that. There will be some asanas you think that you can't do and then you actually do Oh, there's, there's lots that I can't do. But, yeah. you know, physiology is all about change. You can't create change unless you get out of your comfort zone in any situation. So to become good at yoga, you've got to push yourself. And when it becomes uncomfortable, you've got to stay there. Then that will evoke evoke change. So I spend most of my time uncomfortable (laughs) when I'm doing yoga. But you feel so damn good afterwards because you have evoked change. You also swim. You're a water person. I am a water person. How does that work for you? If I could, I would do something every day as far as exercise. I don't manage that. I have a busy life. But most mornings I take my kids to school now. So I'm up at six. I take them to school at seven, which then gives me time because even if I start seeing clients at 10 or 11, I've got a chunk of time. So I normally drop the kids off. I then go straight to, uh, I'm very, very privileged. I'm a member of an amazing club in Singapore. Mm-hmm. I swim on the 39th floor on top of a tower called Capital Green. If you can imagine, I've got this amazing pool on top of a tower and I look out over the city and over the South China Sea mm-hmm. while I'm swimming. It's amazing. So that's my time. So I drop my kids off. I then sit by the pool under this palm tree. I sort of do my meditation, kind of clear my mind, and then I swim. When I swim, I create this focus, this vision for the perfect day. So I try and create my day. You go skiing as well? When I can. Yeah, we're, 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 we're just... So I used to be... It used to be four times a year. I used to be obsessed by it. Now there's not a lot of snow in Singapore. So we haven't actually managed to make it for a couple of years. When we were in Spain, we had this amazing life where we had this beach house and we had a place up in the mountains for skiing and, and what have you. Very, 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 very fortunate. 
um, moving out to Singapore is very, very different. Very expensive place to live. Um, and as I said, it's a long way from Spain. So we are going to go skiing, I hope, in Japan early next year. My kids love it. And they are really motivated. They really want to go. I need the thrill of speed and adrenaline. Skiing gives me everything. And it also makes you very present because you have to concentrate. It's something that when you do it, you forget about everything else. Right, so how do you take some skydiving? I haven't done it since I've had children. No? So, no, but, but I, do have a, I do have a daughter who I suspect is probably as crazy as me. She wants me to take her skydiving. And we're going to California soon, so she wants to go skydiving in California. It's not going to happen. <laughs> How I got into it, I've got some crazy friends in England, and, and we used to go skiing every year. Um, we used to talk about fears. You know, one night we were in a, having some apres ski. We were talking about life and, and fears. And one of them was afraid of enclosed spaces. So we went on a potholing mm-hmm. holiday in England. If anything is going to make somebody who's scared of enclosed spaces mm-hmm. really freak out, it's mm-hmm. going potholing, you know, going down the caves, okay. little caves. So we went on one of these little potholing trips uh, to cure my friend of his. And then we said, right, what we're going to do next? And suddenly said, let's go skydiving, because I was a little bit afraid of heights. Since my time in the fire department, I've always had a healthy respect for heights. When he said, let's go skydiving, I thought, that's it. That is it. I've finally conquered my fear of heights completely, and we'll just have this amazing time. And then I just knew that once, if I, if I can do that, I know I can do anything, right? Because it's power of the mind. And um, so now I've got a little tattoo on my, on my ankle. And when I see that, it makes me smile every day because that was the day that we qualified as skydiver. And that was it. We jumped out of an airplane 20 times, six times that day. And we were so full of adrenaline. The tattoo went on there. It still makes me smile. And it still makes me realize if I turn my mind to something, I can't do anything. <laughs> but how was, how was the moment I mean, when you really finally jumped out of that plane? So first time I went out with, with two people. Mm. And they had a hold of me. Mm. And so we jumped out. They let go of me. I was by myself. And they were keeping an eye on me, and I had to run through drills. First thing I realized was, oh, my God, this is fast. <laughs> this is fast. You know, spread. The gravity. Yeah, this gravity. is fast. And I looked up. I saw the plane dis- disappearing, and I thought, my God, I really am alone. I- I'm a long way up, and I'm going very, very fast. Um, and then I had this sort of feeling of peace. The, the anxiety just left. Then I realized I actually had some control. I could steer. Mm-hmm. And I started going around in circles and what have you. So the instructors wanted to see me. We had a drill to go through. They wanted to make sure I knew what height it was from, from my altimeter. They wanted to know that I, I knew how to deploy my chute. So you know, I, I had to show them. I, I was there. I was giving them signs. I knew what height it was. I showed them I could keep putting my hand on my ripcord so I could deploy the chute. And uh, so we went through a routine, and, and then we got down to 5-5, five five, which means that, that we're getting ready, we're almost there, and got down to 4,000 feet, deployed the chute, and, you know, boom. So why haven't you done it since your kids have been born? I haven't done it since my kids were born because a different focus. You know, would I love to do it? Oh, my God, yes. Will I do it again? Yes, I suspect I will. <laughs> I had a couple of dodgy jumps where I scared myself, and I remember the feeling, and I just thought, you know, it is actually very safe. So I, I'm not, I wouldn't worry about But I do remember that anxiety when my shoot did not open, and I had to cut one shoot free and, and hope that the second shoot would open. I'll never forget that. You know, once, you have, once you're a parent, you think differently. 
do you manage to kind of juggle between the professional and personal uh, commitment? As far as I can't replicate myself, what I've done is we have systemized the process. So now we only get bright young doctors from the best schools in the world. We only bring in incredible people. Um, we then systemize it so we can see a lot of people. We've systemized it so people aren't asking for me. Very often they do ask for me because I'm the face, I'm out there you know, on social media, what have you. But they, they ask for me. But... Um, you know, my job is to inspire people to live a healthier life. But my doctors, they're so talented that they're at the top of their game. Mm. They're the guys that really do it. I only see clients one day a week now. I'm now corporate. I'm doing talks and, you know, I'm doing all that stuff. But I have incredible doctors who follow the system. Mm. And that is, enables us to see a lot of people. We now see over 1,200 people every single week. Thousands of people every month. So, you know, this gratifies me a lot, a lot. But now that we've systemized it, we now know we can take it bigger. When I, when I left corporate life many, many years ago, what I didn't realize that when I left nine to five, I was going 24-7. So basically, we are 24-7, which means we take it home. So the kids are used to it. And so we can make time during the day. So I take my kids to school every day. You know, I'm blessed to be able to do that. I've created a situation where I don't now, having worked in clinic on Saturdays for God knows how many years, I now try not to have Saturdays. So we now have weekends. And so I find balance. And I've created my rules. So, you know, we do have to, you know, we do have Sundays together as a family. We do have little trips. So we get away. We do a lot of traveling around Asia as a family. So, you know, we're really big on balance. When you lose balance, you know what happens. You're in a state of stress. When you look back at your journey so far, what, is, what amazes you? So what amazes me about myself? Oh, my God, where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what amazes me about myself. I still find it amazing to think of the transition between my previous life, sure. the first 40 years and the second 40 that I'm now on. I find that transition enormous. Um, when I see old friends, they, ca they can't believe I'm the same person. So that's one thing that amazes me. When I healed my knee... That amazed me. So I realized that I am a miracle. But then, at the same time, we are all miracles. Any of us, we have got miracles waiting to happen. You've just got to get back into balance. And people are so far out of balance that those miracles sometimes never happen. And that is such a shame. So the fact that I now know that I've got miracles inside me waiting to happen, that is amazing. I find it amazing that we are in such an advanced society that they still don't teach people how to live. They teach you about a bunch of stuff, how to pa pass exams, but really the most important things that you need to live life, they don't teach you. So now I've got kids coming in to see me with arthritis. I've got people with diabetes in their early 20s as clients because they were never taught how to regain balance or, or retain balance. This is basic stuff that should be in the curriculum. So there's one of my goals. What? Would you personally have success? What's the one thing that you think that you've done this and that should be it? Sorry. That will be it when I can just sit back and go, right, job done. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's ne that will never happen because there's always going to be another peak, right? So, I mean, already I can see so many things I would love to get involved in and achieve. But because of what we have built, I, I believe that we're already perceived as success. But really, I do feel that we're just, I'm just getting started. Um, so for me, on a personal level, um, if I can deliver my kids into adulthood, 
vibrantly healthy, wise, educated, in bristling health, optimistic and excited by their future, that'll be a good thing. If I can create a home that they always want to come back to, then on a personal level, that, that, that'll be my success and family. And then professionally, now that we've systemized it, I'd like to take it up a little bit of a notch in Singapore so we can see a change in the stats. I would love to, to help this country change its direction as far as the health. And then a bigger pitch like that, if we can do it here, then I, I know I can go into Mumbai, I can go to China, maybe, maybe just as a consultant, but we can change an awful lot of lives. So we conclude the segment with one question that we ask everyone. What are you committed to keep alive in you? I'm committed to keep the candle burning bright. I'll tell you what I mean by that. A few years ago, I drew this chart, which shows that we are born with 100% vitality and health. And it's possible to go through life with 100% function and vitality. One day, the, the flame will flicker and go out. And it's been a good life. And you have lived with longevity and vitality. It means you can fulfill your magnificent purpose in life, whatever that may be. Unfortunately, most people, they start to lose their way a little bit. They start stiffening up, getting symptoms. Their direction of their life is down. So their trajectory of health and life is down. That's why people are entering this state of disease in their 20s. And, you know, by the time people are in their 50s, most people are on one medication. In their 60s, most people are on two medications. This is not an ideal life. So I, what I would love to keep burning is that flicker, that flame, which means I'm, I'm, I'm living with vitality, which means I can really fulfill my purpose. So I've got, I've, I've got, I need to, a few more decades. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, God give that to you. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. Oh, you're very welcome. I really enjoyed it. Good question. Good Right now at Kohl's, take an extra 25% off top active brands, including Under Armour for her. Get Nike shoes for the family, $48.75 and under, and save on Levi's denim for the family. Plus, get limited contact store drive up, and get even more for your wallet with Kohl's cash. Shop Kohl's and Kohl's.com. 25% off Under Armour ends August 9th. Nike ends August 8th. Levi's sale ends August 30th. Offers and coupons do not apply. Select styles. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details.